Welcome to the Weekly Reboot, your regular Friday debrief coming from the Agile community here in London and beyond. Today we are playing an interview that I did with Michelle Playfair. Michelle describes herself as a catalyst glue connection maker and faux pas on Twitter, but officially goes by the title of Executive Director of Yao Conferences. She has a background in technology and education and her job is even more diverse now in her director role for Yao, which we're about to hear all about. Thank you for having me. Oh, thanks for coming. Um, whereabouts are I'm you today? Not... What state are you in? Uh, I am, I'm at home. I'm in Victoria. Yeah, so right. I'm just out in sunny Sunbury. Lovely. Craig interviewed me for the Agile Revolution podcast and oh. I think he may have regretted it. because it When was that? Like, uh, it was actually when we were at Yao in Brisbane. He and Tony were walking around with their little microphone and, and uh, harassing people. I don't know if it will ever come out because I, I might be a filler because I know he's got a whole bunch of really super big names that he uh, he interviews. So. Hey, um, well, first of all, he's got a massive backlog and, he's, and they're I, starting uh, to come out again and I like to, I like to think that maybe um, I inspired him to get back onto his editing and by uh, creating one and, and uh, pushing it out. But, you know, you're also doing that thing that, women do which is hey I'm not a big name other people are the big names oh well hello you know like the last one he did was Esther Derby you know come on Uh, there's there's you know I I I have the confidence of a mediocre white guy but she's a (laughs) fantastic woman so yeah but you might be your Australia's Esther Derby or Derby I have to say that right I don't think so yeah (laughs) well before we get any further then introduce yourself please okay I shall hello podcast land my name is Michelle Playfair. I am currently the executive director of YOW Conferences here in Australia. Now, it's interesting because I did look you up. It's interesting that, you, that you're an ex- executive director. When I Googled you, I found that out, which surprised me because when I look at your Twitter profile, it says you're a gloob. Oh, yes, that's a thing I stole from Jeff Patton, actually, and it sounds kind of a little bit gross, but um, it's a role that he talks about, which is gluing things together but also lubricating things so that they move smoothly. <laughs> uh, yeah, see, you made that face as well. So, um, yeah, but it, it is, you know, the greasing of the wheels and the kind of, I guess, in Australia would probably call it getting shit done. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time kind of, yeah, being the glue Mm. Um, so it's a little combination of both and I, I like that because I think that's kind of what I end up doing regardless of role which I know some people don't like I'm actually looking forward to a talk um, coming up soon about not being glue so I, I I will find out what the downsides are I guess you must end up hearing a lot of talks not as many as I would like really um, I think that's the the, the downside of being the organiser rather than the attendee is that you have to actually work. Mm-hmm. Um, so when conferences are on, we're we're all working. So I, I try and see talks, but often I have to rush out and um, sort something out. We, we do a lot of concurrent things at the moment while conferences are on. We're conducting interviews with mm-hmm. our speakers. Mm-hmm. You know, there's always the next thing coming up. We've got session hosts, which is one of the things I like about our conferences. We have people from the community who we tap to be our hosts. So they interview, uh, sorry, they introduce all the speakers, um, which is nice. So every speaker gets a little intro, but there's a bit of wrangling involved in 
you know, organizing those people, making sure they know what to do. We capture all the slides from everybody. So mm. it's a little a little bit of, of low-grade running around. Um, one of the things I like about our little tours, so we do a Perth, Singapore, Hong Kong, and then Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne in December, is that it's the, it's the, the caravan mostly. So yeah. particularly Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne, I got three chances. So I thought, right, my goal is to at least see some of all the talks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, there's 40 different talks and I want to at least see some of them uh, by the end of the tour, but no, failed, did yeah, not. Yeah. There was something that I just missed because, you know, if, if one of our hosts was uh, unavailable for some reason, you know, we had one fellow and his child was sick, he couldn't come in and do his little session, so I had to fill in. So, you know, those sorts of things happen. But, yes, I am very fortunate that I do get to see many of the talks, which yeah, is right. Yeah, I suppose when I'm attending a conference I can sort of be selfish and say, no, I'm going into this room now, but you've got to put the conference first, I guess, above all else. It's like it's like I get paid for this. It's like it's a job. <laughs> I'm not just sitting and eat the morning teas yeah it's a pretty cool job but tell me it's a very cool job well, let's wind it back to all your jobs because you've got one of the most diverse career backgrounds I think of all the people I've interviewed so far I do have the soup to nuts well, that's um, how you describe I like it. to say because I, I started my career as a consultant working for Anderson Consulting which is now Accenture and the jobs that I had there were working on big mainframe banking package projects where mm, sounds sexy I, oh at the time it was really quite interesting it was a really good sink or swim introduction uh the first client I went to was in the U.S. and a bunch of Australians had been brought in because they had previous experience working on this same software package so in the minds of our client if you had a funny accent that meant you were an expert and you would be able to answer all of their questions. So this was my first job. And myself and another of my colleagues um, who was from, at the time I was from Sydney, he was from Melbourne. And so we learned very quickly to um, uh, be able to provide some sort of answer, whether it was just, oh, um, yes, I, I will get right back to you on that. You know, just I'm just in the middle of something and, you know, frantically get out the manual and be like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, and, but, yes, the learning cliff, uh, was was quite fun, but it it did, you know, you learn a lot really quickly. So yeah. we we had to do the BA type of thing. We were talking to the client. We were working out what they wanted, how to configure this package up, what sort of reports to write. We wrote the code. We had to do the testing. We helped with the training, um, and that was kind of what I did for the first five, six, seven years of my career. And and then it made it quite easy to be able to do any or all of those things. So I went out as a contract developer for a while, just doing coding stuff, and then ended up doing training and ended up – I landed as a BA, and this is where, you know, it's the care for what you wish for. I was working at one company, and they had a massive lending system, and it had 20 pages of documentation because, and I quote, the system is self-documenting. And I said, well, I've just been at a client, and they, I don't think they would see it that way. And so it was kind of like, oh, well, if that documentation is no good, you write it. All right, challenge accepted, as Celeste Barber might say. So I ended up doing documentation and then client-facing BA type of stuff and kind of wandered down the BA side of things. And then Agile came along, so then we were trying to help uh, clients who were mostly banks start moving in that direction, and then I ended up working at Zero as an Agile team facilitator and then mm -hmm. wandered into this job. Oh, yeah, I forgot, detour of high school teaching 
of oh. IT along the way. All right. When I was working in regional Queensland, mm-hmm. working from home for a Sydney-based company, and I thought, gosh, what am I going to do if this ever goes south? I'm, I'm going to be at Mecca's or something. I yeah. need a, a plan B just in case. In case the industry um, falls out of technology. Well, I was the only person working from home yeah, in the whole right. company. Right. And the person who had given me, the, the manager who had given me permission to do that, then left. And we had a new guy come in. And, and at the time, you know what it's like if you're mm. a vendor. Sometimes you have a lot of clients and sometimes there's a quiet spot. And a quiet spot came along and I thought, oh, new guys come in, you know, who's, who's going to be first head on the chopping block? Hey, there's this random person who's living in Queensland working part-time. Who the heck are they, you know, off with their head? Um, <laughs> which, of course, didn't happen. But I thought, oh, well, I, I was interested in teaching. So I went back to uni and got my teaching qualification and uh, didn't get to use it in anger for six months which was really quite fun people uh, I think everybody who finds doing presentations terrifying might consider doing some volunteer teaching because when you have to get up in front of a sometimes very hostile audience and try and sell them on an idea or a concept that they're probably not interested in and do that several times a day, every day, over and over and over, where a projector may or may not work. So you need to be able to sort of, you know, (laughs) razzle-dazzle your way through if if there's a tech failure. And now I think, oh, how people say, are you not terrified you stand up in front Mm. of all these people? And I'm like, these people paid to be here. They're they're happy, you know, the tech is going to work. This is easy. Mm. So I think that was a really good experience and helped a lot with facilitation as well. Resilience probably. Well, it's interesting. Um, and I spoke about this at last, last, was it last year? I think it was last year yeah. um, with Kaniga about what we can learn from what kids do in school. Yeah, right. Hmm. Hmm. Hey, um, so you've been a speaker yourself. Oh, first of all, did you, what did you study at uni? I did computer science. Yeah. So you, do you consider yourself a techie at heart? Should I stop trying to put you into a box? Look, I don't know. But having not really, uh, I was thinking not too long ago about what, um, what was the last code I actually pushed to production, mm-hmm. which was some, some Java code quite some time ago now. So things like JavaScript were not really invented the last time I was writing code. Um, and so there's a lot to that I don't know. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's amusing to see that there's a whole bunch of stuff that's still out there. Mm. Um, you know, we had a hackathon at work and I was like, I'm going to regex that. Yes, old, <laughs> old school skills come in handy. And, um, you know, some of the things like Unix system admin have not changed all that much. Yeah, right. So, yeah, there's there's still some life in the old dog yet. But, yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I, I haven't been hands-on. And yeah. I think that's, that's probably so, to say that you are still technically proficient you, you probably really need to be doing it on the day-to-day. Yeah. Um, would you ever go back to it, do you think? Did you have that Oh, heck yeah. If yeah. someone would pay me to do it. I mean, I end up doing what people pay me to do. Yeah, but, yeah. And this, I think, is is possibly the difference with when you when you get older <laughs> and you have, a, you have a family. Yeah. 
just don't have all the time in the world to say, oh, I think just as a hobby I'll fire up AWS and I'll just make myself a, you know, I'll program this here Alexa thing and I'll get all these new skills because, yeah, I'm, I'm you know, doing mum's taxi and driving kids around and yeah. dealing with the garden and doing all the, you know, doing the adulting things. So I, I end up being in the position of, oh, okay, well, you want me to, to be an agile, be a BA person, learn about lending, I'll go learn about lending. Yeah. Shall I be a teacher? I'll go learn about teaching. If somebody said, hey, we need you to write some code, okay, I'll upskill myself about coding. But yeah, right. I don't have I don't have time for hobbies. Yeah, right. <laughs> How old are your kids? I think that you've probably got the girls a bit younger than mine. 15 and 12. Oh, you know, same zone yeah. as mine, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah so... I, I, I observe them having hobbies, which is, <laughs> I guess, enough. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. So there, there's probably something about you as well that you're game to turn your hand to anything. Because a lot That's, of people that yeah. have even done coding before might might balk at trying to get back into it, I think. Oh, well, it's back to, you know, the confidence of the mediocre white guy. Sure, I can do that. <laughs> Why not? Until and I, I expect to have reasonable success until proven otherwise, which has happened. I worked for, <laughs> oh, the most random thing. I worked for a company called Teleflora and they do flowers, the delivery of flowers, and they would make their own um, uh, magazine. They had a photo shoot, a whole like media department in the basement and they would put um, floral arrangements and, and take glossy magazine photos. And at the end, all the staff could go down and grab flowers. Yeah. Whatever they wanted. Imagine, you know, a room full of flowers. Choose <laughs> any flowers you want and arrange them into something aesthetically pleasing. <laughs> I can't do that. Oh, yeah, right. I, I, and I grabbed a bunch of flowers and I'm like, that looks all right. And then I looked at everybody else's and went, <laughs> ooh, no, that's terrible. I'm really bad at this. And I thought, oh, yeah, first time. That's right, you know. You seen Lego Batman, you know, nailed yeah, it first yeah, yeah. time. Um, yeah, so uh, <laughs> no, that's just I thought I was competent. Proven otherwise. Okay. Will not will not take on flower arranging anytime yeah. soon. I see. But I wonder if that's um what made you open or ripe for the picking when it came to your current role. The fact that it's, there's a lot of variety in it. Oh maybe. It is it is kind of like running a small business. Mm. Or, or being a, you know, there's a bit of product ownery, marketing-y stuff that, again, that's interesting, that's new to me. I have never been a marketer and now I just did my first Facebook ad the other day. Mm. Ooh, how exciting. Well, I saw um, you on LinkedIn on a video with the Amazon um, crew as well. That was pretty cool. That was fun. That was very fun. You were very so comfortable in Chris, front of the camera, I have to say. Pardon? You were comfortable in front of the camera, looked like. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was fun. Chris Howard, who was one of the people interviewing me, she used to work at Yale before I did, and she's the person who convinced me that I should take on this job. And I've known known Chris for years, so uh -huh. it was pretty easy being interviewed by her. So yeah. it was like this. We just sat down and had a chat, just that there were some bright lights. And, yeah. uh, it is a bit different, though, having a camera record you, I think. I don't know. What do I know? Up, uh, I don't know. I love audio because I've got a great face for radio. Is what I say. Oh, that's <laughs> not true. I'm. I can see you. You look fab. Speaking of women in tech, you're a passionate advocate for um, the ladies. I've been to Yao. I've been to the CTO summit quite a few times. Spoken at a couple of them, 
and I went to Yao for the first time in 2016 and I couldn't believe that I'd missed out on on such a great conference for so long. I'd always considered it, I suppose, in my head a, just a, a conference for technologists, but it has a bit of everything in it really. It does and this is something that I have that I thought as well because the original tagline, which has since been taken up by every other conference in their dog, is by developers for developers. Yeah, right. And, of course, I went, well, I not I don't write code, so there's nothing in there for me. And that first year that I was looking at it um, and thinking, oh, it's, you know, there's nobody in it for me, and then I would look through the names and Dan North was there and I went, what? <laughs> yeah, he's cool. Oh, what have I missed out on? Mm. Um, so... I, I have some issues with that tagline and I think we don't use it as much anymore. But yeah. when I mentioned to Dave, who's my boss, he said, but, you know, a developer isn't just someone who writes code. Mm. And that's also to some extent what, what people talk about when they talk about, you know, the product teams and the, the Scrum, I suppose, started that where everybody who's, who's involved in the building of the thing is called a developer. Yeah. And I thought, yeah, okay. In that case, I buy into it, but I think a lot of people have that same misconception that it's for people who are hardcore writers of the code. But so in my mind, and I can't remember exactly, there seemed to be like a agile kind of ways of working stream, developer, more technical talk type stream. And was there a third stream as well? Well, we don't have it's interesting because people ask that as well, mm. you know, what are the themes, what are the and to be honest from what I've seen, it's almost the speakers are invited based on their awesomeness mm. and then the, the the streams are kind of arranged around who's speaking. Gotcha. So last year we had two guys who were writing music, live coding music, and in Perth this year as well we have another another guy who's, who's live coding music. So there's almost like, ooh, is it a music thing? Well, <laughs> no, not really. It's just that these were people who were uh, – who were invited and, and it kind of took off. So yeah. I think it's safe to say that every year we have somebody who's probably pretty well known in the agile space. Yeah. We try to bring in people who might be on the UX side. It, it is an attempt to have it be a really general conference with something for everybody and a yeah. few things like, you know, Dr. Anita Singupta talking about Hyperloop or NASA, you know, that doesn't really require any coding knowledge to follow but it's kind of a cool geeky talking chuck in a bunch of star trek stuff yeah yeah it was good um and last year who did you have one of the signatories for the manifesto didn't you kent beck. say again kent beck. kent beck kent beck yeah he doesn't come out too frequently or has he ever he been he's coming again he's doing perth oh. singapore and hong kong with us wow which is very exciting i think when he was at facebook he didn't get out much but now he's <laughs> He's roaming free yeah. um, and a few other things. He was so much fun. Yeah, it was, James it was... talked about him a lot, actually. Yes, mm. yes. He's good value. And all our speakers are pretty good value, I have to say. They're, I think one of the other things that our committee looks for is good humans. Yeah, right. Because the the idea is to bring out people who will interact with attendees. Mm. We're, we're not looking for the prima donna who waltzes on and does their amazing talk and then Where's disappears. My <laughs> well, yeah, and, and, and disappears and is, is off hiding in their hotel room or at other engagements. The, the people who come out for the tour know that part of the deal is you need to be able to talk to the attendees as well. And yeah. obviously we have some people who are more introverted than others who probably want to stay 
in their room a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but they still come out and they come to the happy hour and they're there at lunchtime even if they're not there every single break. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it does, it does make it really nice. They're yeah. a really good group of people. Some speakers don't find communication is their uh, forte maybe or difficult customers. Is it part of your role to keep the combo going? And I think, well, I think the speakers are chosen based on their ability to talk yeah. Um, to to communicate with people, I don't think we have too many that have have issues. Yeah, cool. Um, Dave, uh, according to Dave, one of the, our jobs is to make sure the speakers are happy, the sponsors are happy, and the attendees are happy. And if all that's happened, job done. Yeah. Um, I might just say that say last year when I was at at last conference, I did a talk with Kanacha about bringing what we'd learned from my teacher training and from her her son being at school, we brought that into uh, a discussion about how we can use some of those ideas in the corporate workplace because some of the things that are new and shiny in corporate land are pretty old hat for school. So it's a kind of an interesting crossover there. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Yeah, I was surprised at my kids' school. When, I, when they went to primary school, I was surprised at how much school had evolved. And instead of sitting in rows and looking at the front of the class they were working in groups they were presenting their work back to the class and um it is quite a lot like facilitation yeah totally yeah I I did a facilitation session when I was at zero and we had two teams there so there were 17 people you know in a fairly big room and so you know I had them working in groups just like teachers do and one of my colleagues said my god how did you do that with so many people and that's so many there's only 17 do it in a classroom with you know 30 kids yeah. when you can't move the furniture around this is a challenge why don't you yeah a couple of things you mentioned that i want to pick up on well first of all what's dave like to work with and how how much do you work with him or how much are you kind of left to your own devices dave's awesome he's uh he's he travels quite a bit so he comes out for all the tours mm-hmm. Um, in May, so we've just done a little a tour. We did Yao Data and Lambda Jam, which is our functional programming conference. And after that, he kicked on and was speaking around Singapore and Hong Kong. And at Box Days, I was there at Box Days in Singapore as well. So he's he's here three times a year. This is one of his homes away from home. Yeah, same like that. Yeah, yeah. So he's very fond of Australia, which is obviously why he started this conference. Um, for those who don't know who we're talking about, yes. Dave Thomas is a Canadian guy who's not that Dave Thomas and not that other Dave Thomas, but the other, other Dave Thomas. I think the Americans first think of the guy from Wendy's Hamburgers and right. then they secondly think of, of the guy who was signing the Agile Manifesto. And Dave, the third Dave Thomas, was involved but not actually present oh, at, at the time. And we had both Dave Thomases last year at Yale, so that was quite funny. I did have somebody who confused them purely based on name and said, oh, I didn't realise there were two of them, even though they'd both been on stage and one is tall and British and has hair <laughs> and the other one is not as tall and is Canadian and does not have as much hair and they don't look anything alike. So like guys. Pretty, <laughs> hey, they all look awesome, the same to me. A pretty awesome conflation and just based on name. Oh, um, and Dave's been working in IT since forever and he, he has so many contacts around the world that basically that has really helped 
keep the Yao engine going because a lot of it, I mean, and it's not just him now, but at the very beginning, 10 years ago, it was just him kind of doing phone a friend and saying, hey, come and talk in Australia. I was just going to ask you quickly, a little bit of off the cuff since you don't work at Zero anymore, but they're in the news this week. Did you see their article? I'm sure you did. About playing tricks on, on employees, yes, is that the one? On about tricks in this coffee cup? Yep. I know. I saw that. And Do you I know the guy? Was... Of course. Yeah. Everybody, Trent, Trent is amazing. Is he? I, he? He knows everybody's name in the office. If you gave him a pop quiz and showed him a picture of anybody in the Zero office, he would know who it was. Yeah, right. Just an amazing people person which is why I think it's funny that that's described as a, a trick. Um, I'm sure he's quite stunned and appalled by that um, because in, in Zero, the whole wash your own coffee cup thing is is quite an unofficial motto in the Melbourne office. Right. And they have a award that comes out every month, which is the Wash Your Own Coffee Cup Award. And it started out as a small trophy, and as each person receives it, they may add something onto it. So by the time I left, it was probably about oh, two foot by two foot. It had Christmas lights on it. It had a, a Hulk figurine. It had a cactus. I mean, it just grew and grew. And and it wasn't. It's not given to people because they wash a coffee yeah. cup. It's, it's like almost like a teamwork award or an unsung hero type of thing. And it's basically just doing the right thing for the office and for your colleagues, yeah. whether it's, you know, hey, I've noticed that um, every morning before everybody else comes in, Andrew's in here and he's emptying the dishwashers that were put on overnight and he empties it every morning and he puts away the dishes every day mm-hmm. so that nobody else has to do it. Um, and that's, you know, well appreciated. So it's some little mundane task mm. that just makes the office a, a nicer place to be. Mm. And, and that's kind of where that comes from. And I'm, I, I, I don't the know how much is true that latched onto really, that. Yeah, I don't, I don't, he, he's, he has spoken um, at quite a few places about that washer and coffee cup. Okay. I know Rebecca Gravestock, who's the lead for people experience in, in Melbourne and possibly all of Australia, spoke at our business agility conference last year. And that she mentioned that people mentioned that wash your own coffee cup thing just mm. as a symbol of what it's like in the office where people just don't expect burden of mundane things to fall on others. Mm. And it's, it's nice. Um, you know, Trent's really good about leading by example in, in a lot of ways. And that's, that's one of them, you know, I'm not, he's like, I'm not too important to say hello to people. I'm not too important to wash coffee cup. You know, I went with my daughter to Adele and just saw him in the crush of people coming the other way. And without thinking, you know, I hadn't been there that long. I was like, hi, hi Trent. And then afterwards I thought, Oh God, you know, because there's so many people and I've just seen a familiar face. So I just wanted to say hi. And then instantly I thought, well, this is going to be awkward because he's not going to know who I am. He's like, hey, Michelle, how are you going? Enjoy the concert. And oh, he sort of like the other way. And I went, oh, that went well. <laughs> and then I realised he, he does know everybody at the office. So I think it's a it's an interesting take from the media. Yeah. But it's, it's not really, you know, you sort of read that and think, oh, there's this really draconian person who's in there and he demands that people wash their coffee cups. And I'm like, eh, you know. Doesn't sound like the guy you need. Have yeah. a look. Yeah, Come into right. the office and have a look. Yeah. It's funny what makes the news these days, isn't it? And I saw that article had been spun off into another news article even like three days later. I was like, wow, they really don't have much to report on maybe. 
it'll be interesting when it goes to New Zealand because it, Australia has the tall poppy thing, but New Zealand has it even worse. Really? And they, oh yeah, they yeah. Every time uh, the zero press in New Zealand is always university universally awful. So I'm sure they'll really enjoy being like, oh look what they do in zero Australia. Um, but it's a shame, really. I think it's just really clickbait, though, isn't it, for a bit of social media spread I, comments yeah. and stuff. And it's a bit sad when, you know, things like the the financial news and, and so forth are using, using clickbait. But, ah, uh, mm. you know, yeah. what does it come to? But, yes, Zero is a lovely place to work. Well, that's good. And we are so fortunate in Melbourne with the companies that are here. I think there are so many really great companies in, in Melbourne that I just think, yeah, you know, I'd, I'd recommend them in a heartbeat and working with them and, you know, the people I've interacted with from, you know, realestate.com.au, mm. car sales seek, yeah. you know, NYOB, they're, they're all fantastic. Mm. I'm sure I've missed like 20 or 30 more. Oh, no, the, I would agree. The Culture Ants, the Invartos, yeah. all the um, oh, of course. Zendes, it goes, it goes on and on. Yeah, it goes on and on. That's good. Which hey. makes community work so rewarding. I bet. Because everybody's into it. Yeah. Just dropping in quickly to give a quick plug for you to look out for us at last conference, the Lean, Agile and Systems Thinking Conference. We'll be recording a live episode of the podcast on the 30th of July, a debate hosted by Ed O'Shaughnessy and myself called The Good, The Bad and The Ugly, what we've learned in 10 years of scaling agility. We'll be talking to a panel of luminaries on what they've learned from going through exactly those challenges in real life, what we've learned about scaling agility. I'll put the registration link into the show notes, but sign up soon because there are literally dozens of great talks during that conference and they always sell out. The theme this year is Find Your Edge and is literally the kind of conference that's great for learning for the kind of people who listen to this podcast like you. Yeah, I was straight off the topic, but I was going to ask about um, the women in tech thing. So I noticed when I was at Yao, and maybe because even back then it had a bit more of a, a developer-centric reputation, wrongly or right, rightly, and it wasn't the most super diverse in terms of attendees back then. If you compare it to something like Agile Oz, I think, or last conference, I assume that's changing now. And I know that you and Chris did some amazing work or are still doing amazing work for diversity. Tell me how you make that work. Because like you've written some blog articles and you've talked about it before. I've seen them on LinkedIn. How do you tackle I that think one? For, for attendees, it's almost you, you almost don't have control over who comes. We do have a diversity scholarship, which is for people, and it's not even just for women, it's for minorities in tech. So my guideline on that is when you go to a conference, if you look around and you see people who don't look like you, you're probably a minority in tech, <laughs> um, which caters for, for more than women. Yeah. Interestingly, Yao and I, and I wasn't there in 2016, but I, you know, been there the last couple of years, and it's the only tech conference I've been to where there's been a line in the ladies' room. Uh. And I know I mentioned it a couple of years back, and I saw someone else mention it again last year, and I thought, yeah, this is kind of a thing. So it's it's not 50-50 for mm. attendees, but I think it's a, a lot better than than a lot of them, which, you know, it's not Nirvana. Mm-hmm. So for attendees, I think a lot of it is also in terms of companies because our companies, again, the, particularly in Melbourne, um, we have a lot of bulk ticket buyers, well, yeah. in, all, in all our cities. And it, for the company, if you've bought 30 tickets, who are you sending? Mm. Are you sending 30 buyers? 
well, we're going to get 30 guys. Mm. Are, you, are you the company looking to say, oh, let's send along more of our women in tech? Mm. Do you even have any women in tech to send? Yeah. So that's, I yeah, think, it's more reflective reflection. of the population of the. Yeah. Of and the I think it's. I think it's a reflection as we're seeing more gender diversity in a lot of the companies, mm. it's following through into gender diversity in conferences. For yeah, yeah. speakers as well, a lot of times it's hard to find women speakers and this, this is the something that I have, have written about and I think you've been to our CTO summit so that is even less gender mm. diverse. Mind you, of- it took a major leap. I think as soon as it was noticed it took like a year or you know, went from two women in the crowd to um, something like 30% in the crowd. So. And if people, once people know it's safe. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they're not, well, I don't know. I'm, I've been working in male-dominated environments my whole life, mm. but I, I, I don't know how I'd feel if I rocked up and, and uh, I was the only woman in a sea of, of uh, gentlemen at a, at a conference. Yeah. Even the, the two or three, it's a little, eh, you know. I had a uh, conversation with uh, somebody at one of our CTO summits who was referring to people as, you know, the audience as guys over mm. and over. And I'm like, uh, no, I'm sorry, this is not a gender-neutral term. Mm. And when you've got a room with the majority of males and the females are possibly not feeling included already, your repeated use of this <laughs> and insistence that it is gender-neutral is not helping the cause. Mm. Um, but... I have found that the best way so far that I have found to get more women speakers is to invite them to submit. The CFP process doesn't really call to it. I mean, it's a call for papers, but it doesn't really call to the women, Mm. it seems, unless you make a really, really concerted effort to reach out possibly individually or to people at, for example, a Women Who Code event and say, I would like everybody in this room to submit a paper. And there's a lot of conferences now that are doing a lot of good work around encouraging new speakers, providing speaker training, you know, call out to DDD that does this in both Melbourne and Perth and probably other locations as well. Uh, TConf in Melbourne also has a speaker training program. And uh, so there's a lot of conferences that are really trying to encourage new speakers and people to submit. Our main YOW conferences are a little bit different, being invite only. Mm-hmm. So they're suffering mostly from the fact that a lot of women don't necessarily want to spend two weeks away from their family in a foreign country coming on to Christmas. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, there's there's that. I so think do you take not- the same speakers around to all of the um- – to all of the states and and countries. In, in December, yes, yeah. we have. Um, so we kind of have a, a a summer tour and a spring tour, as it were. So yeah. the original main conference uh, trail is the December Yao conferences, which are in Sydney, Brisbane, and Melbourne. Mm. And yes, predominantly all the same speakers. With if if somebody has to leave early for a reason or or come late, then we'll have another another speaker fill in but yes it's it's mostly the same traveling circus which is really fun yeah but again it, it can be hard if you know this is the thing right like most of the family dealings do still t- tend to fall on women yeah. regardless of of role or whatever else and it can be really hard for women to say you know bye kids I know it's the end of the school year but mum's going to Australia for a couple of weeks see you when I get back 
And we do have people that do that, which is fantastic, but it's it's harder, yeah. it seems, for that to happen than for some, uh, yeah. you know, a man to do. So we, we do try and invite 50-50. Mm. We do not get 50-50, and that's, that's a lot of the the reasons why um it's just it's a long tour and who's this secret cabal of people that um select the speakers and how how do we get people um how, how does one influence those people to get invited i would i would ask question there there's a place on the website where you can submit mm-hmm. you can add you can make a suggestion um and you can feel free to suggest yourself <laughs> as well um which is fine and then if there's a video of yourself speaking somewhere or you've you've done a bunch of conferences just put links in and a lot of times people are invited by video one of the things that Yao tries to do which I think is different from a lot of other conferences is it's mostly bringing people that you may not have seen before yeah so a lot of people in Australia are like oh how can I submit to Yao and for people who are in Australia for our invitation conferences there's possibly not as many opportunities I think we do have a lot more Australian content in Perth. Reason being, people in Perth don't get to see people from Melbourne yeah. very often or people from Brisbane, whereas a lot of times in between Melbourne and Sydney, you do get to see, because Agile Australia is here and because Last is here yeah. and because, you know, NDC in Sydney and, there, you know, there's a lot of the people that you, that you know and love, mm. which is good, <laughs> but, you know, every... One of the things I've learned is you can't be all things to all people. No. So and those conferences, if they've got it covered, then, yeah. you know, do what you do best. So one of the reasons that we changed, Yao in Perth used to be a, a submission conference and we did have a lot of kind of, I guess, newer speakers going through that. But DDD in Perth is now so big that why would we do that and compete with them? Yeah. You know, so instead we support DDD as the local conference where people can put in their um, submission and we've put them on a, a more like the East Coast Yao deal where yeah. we send them invited speakers, which is why they're getting Kent Beck, Adrian Cockroft, um, and I think Gregor Hoppe is coming back again this year and a bunch of – sometimes they're people that spoke in the other three cities before, Chris Richardson as well. So he spoke in the East Coast last year and he's doing Perth, Singapore, Hong Kong this year. Yeah, so you just spoke a little bit about that wonderful um, Melbourne community spirit that we have in the Agile community, whatever you call it, Agile community, Lean community, ways of working community, tech community. Where do you think All it comes from? All of the com- above. So, yeah, where does it come from? Uh, my latest theory, and I mean, I you know, I love all the kids. I don't want to compare one to another, but the differences I've seen in the number two cities, for example, in New Zealand and uh, Australia, they, they seem to be a lot more collaborative mm-hmm. rather than competitive. And I wonder if it's almost like if we all band together, we'll be number one. Let's build up our community so we can get people to come here and we'll bring things here and we'll attract the conferences and people won't just automatically go to Sydney the or to Auckland. Yeah, right. Um, and I, I sort of see that in even the Victorian government trying to get startups happening and trying to entice tech companies to come down here. It's, mm. it's, I guess, to try and show that you shouldn't just pick the default because, oh, Australia, that's Sydney. Let's just go there. It's mm-hmm. like, no, we're down here. <laughs> um, but, yeah, there just does seem to be a, a real lot of collaboration and people 
are willing to support initiatives without doing that whole, oh, let me think about what's in it for me. Mm. They're just really into, oh, let's just support the community. Oh, this supports the the Melbourne developer or Agile or whatever community. Yeah, I'm into it. Let's go. Mm. Which just, it's just so, it's a delight. It Mm. really is. And I, having moved to Melbourne from, you know, regional Queensland, it was really relatively easy to get involved in meetups and meet Mm. really nice people and, and who would introduce me to other people. And I see that in Perth as well. Okay. When I've been to Perth, I, I went there the first time and I think I had one meeting scheduled and just a blank series of days where I was hoping to meet people from the tech community. And my first meeting, um, I was talking to a guy and he says, oh, have you met so-and-so and so-and-so? And he's just like rattling off his list of people he thought I should meet. And I went, oh, I don't know. Them. Oh, let me hook you up. And he's, you know, sending me off emails and, and, you know, it was really, really nice. And everybody I talked to there was like that. Oh, you have to talk to this other person. Oh, this will be great. And just really trying to hook people up and get something happening. And yeah. I thought, yeah, this is my jam. This is really nice. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, well, what is it about us folks? I don't know. Just friendly. Just want to help yeah. each other. Improvement oriented. Maybe like a good intellectual discussion as well. Well, that's it. And if everybody pitches in, it's it's you get a bunch of diverse perspectives on things and ideas you might not have thought of. And certainly I I have to say I I owe much of my career of recent years to just having been in Melbourne and and met people in the Melbourne community because that's how I got my job at zero. You know, probably what influenced me a lot in this job as well. So I am forever grateful, see, and then you pay it back and pay it forward and then mm-hmm. on we go, which is marvellous. Yeah. I also good. forgot to mention something. Please Sorry, do. going back to the diversity uh, yeah. question, is we do have a new Voices in Tech speaker develop, development program ourselves, which is a workshop that's run by a fellow called Damien Conway, who's a very good technical speaker. And it's 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 a slightly competitive entry in that we have only – so many slots and, and more people that want to get in. Mm-hmm. And specifically we are looking for people who are speaking about developer technically things because, as you've mentioned, when you go to the conferences that are more agile or more product, there are already a lot of women around who are willing and able to, to speak on those topics. But often we find mm-hmm. um, less so when we're looking for uh, technical speakers we had a functional programming conference uh, call for papers and we did not receive submissions from women wow. at all. We had, I think, one or two that weren't really on the topic. You know, people sometimes submit com- mm-hmm. uh, a blanket kind of, here's yeah. my talk to a whole bunch of conferences. Yes. And, um, yeah, so we didn't. We had one speaker who was invited. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's an area particularly which they're just, really aren't a lot of women in that field mm. and it was interesting to be at the conference and the the men were really disappointed yeah. about it as well and I said well here's a thought um how many women do you have in your company that you are paying to do this work and they went oh none and I went well go hire some <laughs> and then in a couple of years they can come and speak Thanks. yeah, yeah. yeah okay. it is a bit of everything isn't that pipeline encouragement and I think yeah, you've already mentioned it and we probably all know women need more encouragement than than um, their male counterparts to get up and put themselves forward probably. 
Um, I think so. And the good thing is that once you do that for somebody, they do it for others. Because that's how I ended up speaking at a conference was basically being strongly encouraged slash bullied into it because I've gone through the whole, oh, I don't have anything to say. Nobody wants to hear this talk. Everything I do is boring. You know, there's nothing interesting. And uh, that was in, in the testing community and there were some very supportive gentlemen in the testing community who are running a conference and they went, yeah, you're just, you're doing a talk. Just put the talk in. You're doing it. Like, oh, oh uh, no. Yes. And I, they would ping me. Have you put the talk in? Have you put the talk mm. in? And now I do that to other people. And well, that's a great it. point, isn't it? Because you're a confident and competent speaker and yet you were still trying to deny. Um, well, see, this is, I, I can talk to you, that's quite fine, but, you know, you go to conferences and it's one of those things where you automatically assume that the person who's on the stage knows way more than you. You know, how dare you think you could stand up there and do a talk because you don't know as much as they do. And it takes quite a while and perhaps going to a few more conferences and talking to a few more people before you realise, oh, hang on, not everybody does exactly the same thing I do every day. Maybe I do know something that other people don't know. Huh, what do you know? Mm. And so I think just kind of helping people see that mm. because everybody I talk to has the same reaction. Mm. Oh, I nothing. I don't do anything special, mm. you know, nobody. And it's like, actually, what about X? You know, I talked to somebody the other day. What shall I talk about? And then they said, oh, just mentioned in passing that they are head of a company that works in five different time zones. And I went... Well, that's interesting. You don't hear about that every day. Mm. Why don't you talk about that? But it's her day, so she just sort of went, well, oh, isn't this normal? Heck no. <laughs> that's a great topic. Do you think that, um, I mean, for you, for us to be of our era, I suppose, and be in, t in technology and, and survive, there is a bit of um, we must have been resilient and hard-headed to some degree, I think, to still be in technology. Plenty of people opt out. Um not that I'm saying I'm necessarily in technology anymore, but do you think that maybe people are a bit soft today? You know, I, I think in many ways I've been really lucky because I – it's one of those whole sort of scenarios where, oh, I had to walk five miles in the snow, what's wrong with you people? But honestly, I hear some stories of what people have gone through and I just think, gee – I mean, I never, I had that whole, you know, oh, you're too aggressive, blah, blah, <laughs> you know, bog standard stuff. But nothing like some of the things that some of these people have been through. Yeah. Like really serious harassment to the point of, you know, they've got PTSD. They can't go mm. into an office. I mean, just awful, awful things. Um, and so I think in some ways I'm, I've been really lucky. Mm. I Yes, okay, I was one of the few women in computer science and, you know, one of two blonde-haired uh, females, which, you know, meant that we stood out and got in trouble every time we were talking <laughs> because we were very, very visible. Um, but just nothing like some of these stories that I've heard and, you know, just horrific, absolutely horrific, and I can see why people would leave. I mean, my God, why would you put up with that? Yeah, um, Yeah. I, I have – I've had a – a fairly charmed life that way. Yeah, I feel lucky too. Hey, um, I saw you were in a class the other day learning something. What were you learning? Some I do that. I, yeah, I was. That was at our Lambda Jam conference. I was doing the Intro to Functional Programming workshop. Uh -huh. 
And you know what? It was really fun. I was um, right in the Haskell <laughs> and uh, it was great. So at Lambda Jam, there's an intro day, which my goal for this year or for next year, sorry, is to expand that a little bit because the lab, and, and this is part of the diversity thing, I think, is it's a really high level advanced conference. Mm -hmm. And again, in the, oh, well, we can't be all things to all people. Okay, cool. That's fine. But also, <laughs> let's expand our intro day because the gap between my first Haskell workshop and I can really follow this conference is quite large. But I was surprised how much it helped. Um, a lot of things are, are notation and, and you look at it and go, oh, look, dots, arrows, mm -hmm. that's nice. But, you know, I was sitting through the opening keynote and I'm like, I know what that means now. If I hadn't done this workshop, I would have just sat there going dots and arrows. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that was really fun. Again, if I had lots of time, I would probably sit down and play with it because the, uh, the tutorial and materials and everything are all online. Um, the instructor was a, a, a guy who used to be at uh, University of New South Wales, but he's a very international wanderer, so he's now wandered back over to Europe somewhere um, by the name of Manuel Chakravati, and he's great teacher, and he's got all his stuff online. You know, if people want to learn, they can go and do stuff. But, yeah, it's such an issue of time. So mm -hmm. it was wonderful that I, I could actually sit the whole day in the workshop and learn stuff. Yeah, cool. I was going to ask, what do, you, do you think you found the perfect job for you? What's the future hold for... I've ended up em embracing the agile lifestyle and discovering that it doesn't help to plan mm, too yeah. far ahead. Yeah. We moved from Sydney to Harvey Bay, Queensland, and we were going to stay there forever. Mm -hmm. And eight years later, now we're in Melbourne. And when we came down here, the uh, house that we initially moved in, we were only going to stay there for six months but then we couldn't sell our house in Queensland so we ended up staying there longer so then I thought well let's just stay here until the kids finish school and then the owners wanted to move back in and I, at that point I thought why do I even bother planning I mean really <laughs> so I thought wow my life's like a you know an agile roadmap <laughs> I know what I'm doing for the next sort of short period of time and after that it's like well you know general goals you know get the kids through school or whatever yeah. but if you told me you know, even when I first moved to Melbourne or, or you know, six years ago, whatever, that this is what I'd be doing, I would have laughed. Yeah. Um, even even my job as an agile team facilitator at zero, you know, try explaining to your 80-year-old mother that you're an agile team facilitator. Just, yeah. She, she was a school teacher. She doesn't understand the corporate side of things <laughs> at all. She's had no exposure to it in her life and just, uh, yeah, I'm like a manager mum. She's like, oh, okay, you know, kind of knew what that was. Um, but, you know, you talk to most people and it's not a job. They ca you can't even explain yeah. what it is that you do. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really happy with what I'm doing for the foreseeable future. Mm -hmm. and, uh, Could you ever not... be tempted back into technology leadership or have you experienced too much variety now to go back into a purely tech well, that's the thing, you know, never say never. I'm, I'm very much enjoying what I'm doing now because it actually lets me do a, a bunch of things that I have been doing in terms of, hey, look, I'm working with a globally distributed team, have done that before, and uh, kind of herding, herding the cats that way and yeah. a bit 
product management and I've been doing a little bit of stuff on the web and testing. I've been, you know, working in the testing field before. Um, And, yeah, just doing all all different things, which is is quite interesting. Things I never thought I would do. I've been spending way more time on Canva than anybody with zero design skills uh, probably would expect to do in their lifetime. I have made videos with Mm -hmm. video editing software and just, yeah, all sorts of things. Making stuff is so fun, I think. It is, but, you know, it's not something you always have time to do Mm. when you're in the day-to-day. It's not really relating to my product or or whatever. Mm. Um, So now it is. It is part of my product. Mm. So it's quite fun. So you just talked about your globally distributed team and your own, um, obviously, a agilist at heart. How do you run things between you all? Do you use a way of working? Do you eat your own dog food in that way, apart from Not, in your life? Well, um, I'm kind of herding the evangelists who are in Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne, Perth, Singapore and Hong Kong. And a lot of it is just communicating what we're all up to. So we do a lot of stuff via Slack. Mm -hmm. I think most people are quite autonomous in what they do because we're not really building a product as such. So a lot of times it's just communicating who's doing what and people know what what their roles are for this particular thing. We have a lot of tools. We have Slack. We have Rike, which is kind of like a workflow thing. I don't like it. Um, but, you know. <laughs> I know other people that don't like it too. Yeah, it's it's, it's a bit gantight, you know. Oh, it, it's okay. A lot of people <laughs> just use it to to keep their to do list going. So it's kind of how we um, not necessarily assign work to each other, but mm. kind of say, "Hey, we've got a yarn night coming up, so here's all the jobs that need to be done, and yeah. here's you know, it kind of lists it all out, and people can put in." And it assigns them to people. So, for example, you know, it's my job to make the slides for the hour night. So it's pretty easy to go and look and go, oh, my God, hello, Michelle, it's next week. You haven't done the slides yet because it's not much as completed. Oh, I've got to do that. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a good way to help people be accountable to each other yeah. and just track the work because there are a lot of little things. As Dave said to me when I started, it's not hard, but there's a lot of moving parts to yeah. kind of keep up with. Um, you know, obviously we've got, gmail or email to each other we've got a wiki um so it's it's really i think as most things are a lot of communication and letting people know who's working on what and where and why and how Mm -hmm. and with such a um i guess a loose remit i mean in some ways you've got real deadlines a lot of work that we do these days we don't have real deadlines you really do it's got to be okay on the day you don't have deadlines where's that (laughs) (laughs) um well how do you know then that you're doing a good job oh well that's it it's the speakers are happy sponsors are happy attendees Mm -hmm. are happy so a lot of what i do which i really need to come up with a better explanation but is walk around and talk to people Mm -hmm. and usually eat at the same time so (laughs) after the after the conference when or at lunch times or happy hours or whatever, I'm walking around talking to people. How's it going? What do you think of the conference so far? You know, is there anything that, you know, any issues, any problems that you've had? We try and send out feedback surveys. We try and get together with members of the community and say, hey, what sort of speakers would you like to see? Who do you want to, um, what sort of topics do you want? What can we do better? 
if we run a program like our new voices in tech, I'll email them afterwards and say, hey, what did you think of that? What can we try differently next time? So I think I'm bringing a fair bit of, you know, the reflection and inspect and adapt kind of ideas. And a lot of people are great about giving feedback as well. Yeah. And I actually had somebody I asked for feedback was like, oh, you don't want my feedback. I've got opinions. I was like, actually, I do, of course, because if we're doing something that we can do better, Mm. tell us about it. That would be great. Um, you know, some of the things we know, you need more women speakers. Yes, we know we, you know, it's a work in progress. If you know any that are awesome, please tell us. Yeah. If you have friends that you you know, you, that would like to speak about data or they're senior tech leaders, they want to talk at CTO summit or they're functional programmers, please send me all your functional programmers. Yeah. Um, Tell me about the, um, what was it called, the program where you're trying to get new women, new voices? The new, new Voices in Tech. So when's that next coming up and what kind of things can people do to support that? We just finished a um, the workshop last week and it's interesting because we had three people in there from ThoughtWorks, all of whom are speaking at the upcoming XConf for mm-hmm. ThoughtWorks. So that's pretty cool. So hopefully their talks will be even more awesome now that mm-hmm. they had a chance to get, get a little bit of feedback. And... Somebody from Serverless Comp in Melbourne just asked me about how to get in touch with some people that, that might want to talk at their Serverless Conference. So hopefully their, their, their names are in the lights up on the website and I have um, kind of put them up on my LinkedIn post sometime as well. So I'm, I'm hoping that people who are looking for more gender diversity amongst technical speakers will mm-hmm. be able to say, oh, I saw that LinkedIn post and I can you know, connect with these, these people on LinkedIn and maybe see if they'd like to come and talk at my conference. Yeah. Um, so, so how often we, are you running it and when will the next one be? Um, we do it every year and it has previously until now always been in Sydney. So we ran it in Melbourne this year and next year I'll probably move it maybe to Brisbane just yeah. to give people more of a chance to attend. Um, we don't, don't really have the budget to fly everybody depending where they come from. So often it's you know, hopefully if people are in Melbourne and, and can't attend if they can't get themselves to Brisbane, you know, hang, hang about, we'll, we'll be back around. Um, so I'm trying to think, we run a workshop in May-ish and start collecting um, or, or asking people to submit their ideas for talks probably at the end of January. Cool. And what about the next functional programming? So do people have time to learn functional programming to um, the next time you run that one? Well, that's the challenge because of the advanced level of the conference. Mm-hmm. I think it's a lot of the speakers and it's it's kind of a half academic, half business conference. So yeah. we get a lot of people who are in academia. We get a lot of speakers from Data 61, CSIRO that come in. And I think if a lot of the issues we have where attendees say that they didn't like the conference is because they didn't, it's too advanced for them. It's yeah. not it's not really intended as a beginner's conference. And Mm -hmm. I think we probably need to make that a lot clearer. Mm -hmm. Um, There is, for example, a wonderful community conference in Melbourne called Compose, which is also a functional programming conference. And it is not intended to be super advanced. And instead they focus on making it super accessible for everybody. Mm -hmm. So what I've recommended to people who say, oh, this Lambda Jam was awful. I didn't understand any of it is, hey, you know, to compose instead mm. it's going to be a lot more friendly and Maybe. hopefully next year we'll have a bit more of that on mm. our day might what i'd like to be able to do is say look if you're a regular attendee for example but you don't feel you're at the level of 
giving the advanced talk, come and do the intro talk. Yeah. And, you know, it would, I think it would be very valuable to speak to people who are just starting out and say, hey, look, I was where you are, mm. you know, three, four years ago. And, you know, these are the things that helped me maybe level up or how I kind of got to where I am in this functional programming world. I, I would love to hear talks like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, whereas it's the, the regular conference, they're, they're already past that. But I think the intro folks, it would be good. Mm-hmm. So that'll be in Brisbane next year. So that's something I'd like to try. Mm-hmm. We'll see. We only just finished. We only just put this yeah, one in a sorry. box this last year. So <laughs> got a few more to uh, – yeah, we can more about pipeline, can't we? Well, that's it. A few more things to plan. I have I have asked if we can look at getting a space to do that. So that's the first thing, you know, you start with your venue. Yeah, right. So Is it? It's interesting to me. I wouldn't have guessed that would be where you start. It's amazing how hard it is to get venues. Yeah, right. If you if because things just book up for whatever reason. Mm. Um so yeah, we we have conferences where we're nine to 12 months out or more and it's like oh sorry those dates aren't available mm. like what so yeah i've talked to people who are thinking about starting com- up a conference and i'm like okay vaguely how many people start looking for venues and that's the biggest cost as well yeah, but right. venue is expensive mm. um and, and so then once you've nailed that down, then you can start talking to people about, you know, you can't talk to a caterer. You can't do anything till you've got a hard date. Yeah, right. And you can't have a hard date till you have a venue. Mm-hmm. There's nothing worse than going, oh, it's going to be on the 12th of October and then you're homeless because you can't. There's literally nothing available. Can anyone so. house 500 people? Yeah, yeah, just need a space for, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So it is, I guess I have picked up a fair bit on yeah. uh, conferencing. Um, from the fabulous people at Yao who've been doing this, that side of the events planning for years and years, which is wonderful. We have Mm. a wonderful events team. Mm. Hey, so back to you then. This is a question I asked Neil, which was if you didn't do what you do, what else would you do? But I feel like you've already done all the the jobs. But do you think if you weren't doing what you were doing now, what would you choose in a parallel universe? Um, in a parallel universe where people actually valued teachers and paid them well and mm. treated them nicely, um, I would like to be a teacher. Um, and, you know, if we want to go really way out there, I would like to be a teacher and, um, you know, maybe an Auslan interpreter mm. as well. That would do be you quite do that? Um, I, I had a deaf class in my high school and one of my friends is deaf. And, um, yeah, so I've, I've studied a little bit so I can have a yarn with her and her friends who are, of course, delightful and don't make me, you know, they would they would be quite happy to speak. But I'm like, you know what, it's a heck of a lot easier probably for me to, to learn Auslan than it is for them to hear me when I just flap my gums at them. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so that's quite fun. Um, oh. I haven't really done it much in Melbourne. When I was in Queensland, I... I um, was kind of buddies with my Auslan teacher up there and she was teaching at the same school that I was at. Mm. And so we, she invited me to the um, outings with the deaf club up there, which was pretty cool. Went, there was myself and another lady that weren't deaf that were there. So, mm, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, but I, I like teaching and I like helping, um, you know, particularly high school. Everybody's like, ooh, high school teachers. But, you know, really you meet some amazing kids and mm. it's able to try and help them, you know, get along in the world as best you can. And as you say, school's changed a lot 
since since we were there and just that whole, you know, it's so stressful and it doesn't have to be. Yeah. You know, I, one of the things that I did when I was teaching was, you know, tell the kids it's going to be fine, mm. you know. It, if you if you don't pass the exam and you don't get what you needed for marks, if you really want to do something, you'll get there. There's yeah. back doors. There's other ways, you know. Yeah. Um, the teachers just, have a big impact on kids, I think. Or can have a big impact. They do. I think they do. And I, I, you know, when I went to at the school I was at, there was, you know, one good teacher that everybody just adored. And not because he was a softie or anything, but he was, he was just really had a really good rapport. And he, you know, he was quite clear on what was the rules and what wasn't the rules and and just really encouraging and, and, you know, really awesome sort of role model. And I think, you know, my kids have good teachers, which is fantastic. Um, yeah, it's a very, very unloved occupation. Very undersung, yes, agreed. Was just, is there anything that you feel like you haven't done yet that's still on your bucket list that you would love to do? Are you going to make me sing the song? You can't roll skate in a buffalo herd. Um, oh, gosh. There's so much, though. There's so much to do. I mean, that's the great thing, isn't it? Yeah. There's always something new to learn. So yeah, there's there's a million and one things. I'd you know I'd love to be able to play a musical instrument. Um, and I just meet so many clever people and interesting people to learn from. That mm-hmm. that's um, oh the list is too long. The list is too long. But that's that's good. I mean that's one of the other things I think that people freak out about when they're first going into IT is like I don't know everything. <laughs> well yeah, of course. It's not even possible. Mm. That was a funny thing when I was teaching, actually, that I think helps is that I'd go in and I'm like, yeah, I don't know this. I hope you're going to teach me some stuff about computers. And the kids are what? <laughs> How come you don't know everything, miss? Because like, nobody knows everything, mm. really. And I think, yeah, that, I guess not many people say that in a classroom. They mm. feel like they have to be this sort of invulnerable person that knows all. And, uh, you know, there's a... A lot of that breaking down more in the workplace now, where it's okay to say, even in a job interview, no, I don't, I don't know the answer to that. You know, I can tell you how I figure it out. Um, so, hmm. yeah, everything. Give me all the things. <laughs> all the all things. things. All, all right. the well, things. We'll look forward to um, observing you go through all the things. Uh, next, <laughs> I'm sure it'll career. be quite a spectacle. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time today, and we'll look Thank forward you. to catching up with you around the traps of Melbourne. Absolutely. I'll see you at last, if not first. Oh, you're going to go? You're all friendly, aren't you, with all the different conferences? We like like to collaborate rather than – it's that whole, you know, collaboration before competition type of thing. So, yes, there are a number and an increasing number of conferences um, that we like to – you know, I mean, how hard is it to just add somebody else's conference to your newsletter or – you know, retweet something or say, you know, mm. it's great. Yeah, that same that same sort of spirit of uh, lifting up everybody. Yeah, it's, hard keep, it's hard to keep up with everything that's going on. Yeah, you know, so it's nice if you can spread the word about other conferences and things and yeah. other groups. Mm, all learn from each other. Yeah. Oh, thanks again, Michelle, and then I look forward to seeing you there, if not before. Cheers. Thanks, Alex. Oh. Have a lovely long weekend. And you too. Enjoy Monday. Um, take care. Okay, thanks. Bye. Bye. Well, that was Michelle Playfair, a delight in our agile technology community. And I'm glad there are people like that running conferences like Yale. I'll put so many links in our show notes today so you can find out more about all of the events they run.
You have been listening to the Weekly Reboot, your regular Friday debrief of things you've heard and seen in the Agile community here in Melbourne and beyond. Subscribe and get in touch at rebootme at rebootco.com.au if you have feedback. We always love to hear your feedback. And we'll be back in your podcast feed at 4pm next Friday. Bye for now. This week's Weekly Reboot was brought to you by Laugh.com.